Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Amen. Well, I'm excited about the message the pastor is going to be ministering to us here in just a few moments. I believe in God for great things to happen. I encourage you to open your faith. Get ready to receive because I don't believe we're here by chance. I believe we're here to be impacted by God. And thank you for being here today. And thank you for watching online as well. Uh, like last week, I want to get up and just share a little bit about our trip to Pakistan. Uh, of all the nations on the face of the earth, I can think of a lot of places I'd like to go. Uh, not to say I don't want to go to Pakistan, but there are some real risks involved. But uh, Pastor and I have been to Pakistan on three occasions. And on three crusades, we've seen 216,030 people make decisions for Christ. And that's something to give God praise for, amen? What I'd like to do, uh, many of you saw this video last week, but many of you are here for the first time. I'm going to ask the media team if they would. We're going to show you just a quick video of what God helped us accomplish in three different crusades uh, about uh, in the last uh, 12 months or so. And on Friday the 14th of October, our fourth crusade will, will ensue. So watch the video and I'll talk to you afterwards. Put it on your good ear. And tell me if you hear it. Come on, this woman right here can hear now. Can you hear it? Can you hear now? Yes, she can hear now. All right, now she. Come on, her deaf ear has opened. Sickness is just as defeated as sin. It was the same cross. It was the same blood. It was the same lamb. 
It was the same victory. And if God brought you out of sin, he can bring you out of disease. Praise God. Amen. God is so good. And as you saw those numbers, we did our, we did our first crusade we, we went to, we went to a city called Raywind. We, we had over 60,000 people come to Christ. This is one meeting, one individual crusade. Next service or next crusade, we did a crusade uh, in Osaka. We saw over 74,000 come to Christ. Our third crusade in Narrowall, we saw over 81,000 people come to Christ. And our fourth crusade, which will be this Friday, I'm believing God for over 81,000. I see the trend line going this way. I want to exceed that trend line. Amen. Will you agree with me with that? All right, so here's, here's the situation. Um, again, uh, tomorrow uh, we're leaving, and um, the disappointing news is this. It's bittersweet. Pastor has been told by doctors that he can't go. And uh, he's going to be fine, but uh, obviously we all know he's been battling some sciatic issues right now. And after medical uh, personnel have evaluated him, it is a monster flight getting there. We're talking sometimes about 40, 48 hours just to get there. And then we get to preach as soon as you walk off the plane for four services and turn around and come back home. Uh, but we've already sent tens of thousands of dollars to crusade. The crusade's going to happen. And Pastor has two wonderful men of God that uh, have been sons of the faith for many years that have gone crusades with us and are out doing crusades in their own right. I'm going. I'm representing Pastor Peter Dosick and PDM and Only Believe. Uh, I'm the one that kind of handles the logistics, so people kind of tell me which way to go, how do we get point A, point a to point B. So uh, I want to make sure everyone gets the right crusade at the right time. But listen, I want to encourage you a couple things. One is, I know that we're going to see, if I really believe, this is the greatest opportunity in my lifetime. I've been doing this for 27 years. Pastor's been doing a whole lot longer than I have. But this is the second largest Muslim nation in the entire world, church. This is not us going to Italy or France or England or Brazil. This is a nation that is 98.7% Muslim. And when you see those numbers, now people ask me, they say, Eric, how can you have that many people come to Christ? Surely, are they just raising their hands? Church, we've been, I work typically 9 to 12 months on an individual meeting like this, and we have thousands of pastors, thousands of pastors that are ready to follow up on the fruit that come to Christ. So, in essence, uh, what we do is, the way we get people to these crusades is by busting them. I've talked to you about that before. And we typically will have, we could have 500 to 1,000 buses on a single crusade. So when we get to a city, there's just buses lined up one after another. And to keep everybody safe, we have to go to a grounds that's typically outside of a city. We have light towers, as you saw on the video there. We have over 2,000 security forces on the ground. Sometimes security can cost me more money than promotion for a meeting just because of this to keep everyone safe. Well, we have these pastors that come on a bus, and when the people come to Christ that night, we literally have cards in their hands, 
And that pastor gets that information as soon as they walk on a bus. And typically between 85% of the people that come to that crusade and receive Christ are in a church that following Sunday. And we're making disciples and we're seeing people get rooted and their giftings are being utilized. And we're seeing Pakistan. Pakistan is, seeing, is truly seeing revival in pockets. And I don't know how God's going to do this. I do believe God's going to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. And I think it's going to happen in America, but I don't know. Maybe it will happen in Pakistan. Maybe it will go from Pakistan around the world. But I want to encourage you, for every dollar you sow, every dollar you give, I can put a person in front of these men of God, and we're going to see amazing things happen. So many of you heard the story. Uh, you know, if you can give $10, I can put 10 people on a bus. If you can give $100, I can fill up an entire bus, and that's because of you. If you can give $1,000, that's, that's 10 buses. If you can give more than that, I encourage you. I don't know how long this window is going to stay open. That's my concern about Pakistan. Government is very volatile. They can, they can, they can make a switch in, in a heartbeat. We've seen that with Russia. They can turn the Internet off that fast. And listen, I just believe, and I know Pastor does as well, the urgency is now. We got, we got the doors open. We're going to get in there. We're going to pull in the, pull in the harvest. We're going to get on the combine. And we want to say thank you, Only Believe. Thank you for those watching online as well. I'm telling you, we couldn't do this without you. We go in your stead, but if you didn't pray and you weren't able to give finances towards this thing, we just couldn't do what we're doing. 697,000 people are on their way to heaven this year because of what you've done. And I believe... We're going to see over 81,000 more people come to Christ in Pakistan this Friday. Would you all agree with me that will happen? All right. Well, listen, here's what I want you to do. Uh, many of you, I, I've already seen envelopes in hands. Listen, if you, if, I just ask you to pray. Ask if God gives you a number. It could be a dollar. If it, thank you for that dollar. It could be $100. Thank you for helping us to fill a bus up. It could be 1000 Whatever that number is, we just want to say thank you in advance. And I promise you, God's going to smile down upon you, and he's going to bless it back to you. Some pressed down, shaking together, running over. And I believe you're going to see a hundredfold return. That's my heart. That's my belief that God's going to bless you abundantly because this opportunity might close as soon as we get back. And at least we can say we've done all we can to get the gospel into that nation. But I am just believe in God, uh, as we agree together right now, that God's going to just do abundance. We're going to see miracles. We're going to see deliverance. We're going to see salvation. And literally, we're going to see thousands of churches raised up just because of a four-day event we're going to have this coming week. So let me pray right now over you and believe God for blessing for your life. Father, I thank you, God, for all you do. Father, first of all, I just thank you for Pastor Dosik, Lord, and I thank you for touching and healing his body. Lord, he has used his faith for literally countless millions of people around the world. And Father, I thank you, Lord, as we use our faith for him today, I thank you for a healing touch for his body. I thank you for that sciatic nerve to be normal and well and whole in the name of Jesus. Devil, we command you to loose your hold, and we thank you for touching and healing his body. And Lord, I just thank you for the gifts that are coming in. I thank you for everyone that's sowing today into reaching lives in Pakistan. Lord, I ask you, Lord, uh, not for a 30, not for a 60, but for a hundredfold blessing on every dollar that's given today. Father, we thank you for the opportunity you give us to go in your, in your place. And Jesus, we just want to lift you up because the Bible says that when we lift you up, you draw all men and women unto you. I ask you to be glorified in these four services in Pakistan. And Father, thank you for a great report that's going to come back. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Let's bring your offering to the Lord, and then we're going to have Pastor Joseph come and minister to us.
Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hey, Ashley. Can I have a couple of people up here? I want you to sing that song you sung when you first started the service. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is a good God. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Sing like canaries. You sing like an eagle. <laughs> God who is, we worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors, he parted the raging sea. My God, he holds the victory. Yeah. There's joy in the house of the Lord, there's joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet. We'll shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We'll shout out your praise. Oh, we shout out your praise. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause he hung up on that cross and he rose up from that grave. My God still rolling stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We were the beggars. Now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing grace. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet, 
we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in His place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We'll shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We'll shout out your praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God forever. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hey, Roz, I gave your, you some money to give your husband today. Can I have that money back? Thank you, Roz. Tell him I give him $500 when I get back with him. I'm, that's for a toy. I read a terrible thing we're going to pray about next week. 11 pro-lifers have been arrested because of their petitioning or picketing in front of abortion clinics. That is a violation of our freedom, our right to free speech. Now, we can do a lot of things about that, complain, yell it, whoever, but it is an injustice. And I uh, will be praying about that and giving you some information of how we can rally ourselves together as a church to uh, approach uh, arms of our government that can raise a voice against this type of injustice. Now, you know, you can complain about me on Facebook all you want, but I think you ought to do something when injustice is done, not just yell about it. And uh, so I've got $500 here. I just need some more because I am taking this $500 and mixing it with the seeds that you want to sow and I'm giving it to the pro-life organization of Shelby County. And uh, so we are going to give that today, and I see my wife is really wanting to get involved in this, and if she would just give another $500, we'd, she'd be clothless, but we'd be on the move. And you say, well, you just took an offering for Pakistan. This is entirely different. 
This is for support of a local organization that helps families, not just babies, but families, uh, to keep intact. And uh, so I'm going to be sending this money to the pro-life organization of Shelby County. Now, all of you that hate abortion, I should have to drive you away from this altar, but I'm sure that lots of you are just squeaky wheels and not a remedy for anything. But today, I'm going to take that. And Rick, that is not a part of your... Where did you learn to buy people's groceries? You're right. So, uh, Phyllis, will you come and get this? Don't take any out of it. All right, she won't. Hallelujah. And uh, next week we're going to be joining our faith. We're going to be writing letters. We're going to be putting pressure on the arms of our government that are able to stop injustices around the world. And uh, so we're going to be coming against this injustice that our government has set in motion. And uh, it's not just one, it's a whole kit and caboodle of them. And uh, so we're going to be doing that, and uh, it'll be a great seed. Praise God. You know, I met a great man. His name was A.R. Bernard. His mother was from Cuba. She was an Olympic runner for Cuba, and uh, she ended up being pregnant. The Cuban government said, if you do not abort this baby, then you will not be able to continue in uh, your Olympic status. She chose not to abort A.R. Bernard. And A.R. Bernard uh, pastors a church in New York. He used to be Farrakhan's right-hand man. If you don't know about Farrakhan, he is the head of the Islamic nation in America. And uh, since then, A.R. Bernard has had many threats on his life, house shot up, so forth. But he has persevered, and he has never went back. He finished a... Uh, cultural center that houses this church that uh, seat uh, with over 11,000 members, and this was about six or seven years ago. A.R. Bernard is a great man of God, but if his wife, his mother would have aborted him, where would A.R. Bernard be? And Lots of people have testimonies like that. So it is an injustice when they have the right to voice their opinion against pro-life people, but it's also our right as Americans to give them the place, but it's also our right to have a place. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, thank you for your seed today.
and uh, they will be blessed by that, and uh, I know it'll be an encouragement to them, and they'll be able to reach out and strengthen families. All right, let's turn our Bibles to Matthew, the 12th chapter, verse 43. We are going to talk about demon possession in the 21st century. Can Christians be possessed? Well, I know lots of times they act like it. And uh, we're not going to go by the thing that, well, no, we got Christ living in us. We're going to look at the scriptures. Can Christ depart from the man? Well, he could be a backslider. Could he turn his back on Christ? Could he denounce Christ? Well, a thousand times, yes. Could he then become demon-possessed? I think sometimes we always take cliches and try to make them doctrine. I in no way, shape, or form have displayed or talked about everything about the devil. The reason is, is that people can't take much bad news. So we don't want to tell how much the enemy is doing at least we get discouraged and just hide. But the devil is, is as live as God is. He is as active as God is. He's under pressure to get his work done because he knows he has but a short time. So, I've continued this in the last couple of weeks and, uh, you know, certainly... The grapevine is rattling, but I've heard it rattle before. Grapes fall off, but God produces others. So I'm going to talk to you today about the reality of demon possession in the 21st century. Now, I know some of you will say, oh, that, you, you can't be demon. Oh, the devil's not real. Right. And that's just what he wants you to think, and that's just where he wants you to sit. The devil is alive. The devil is alive. Amen? He is a lost identity in the minds of most of the church today. They think it's just an influence, bad luck. Well, you know how things go. Uh, no. He is a real personality. We proved that on Sunday one. And I told you last Sunday that he is very involved in government, very involved in school system, very involved in much of what is taking place in America. And we want to name call and we want to complain, but we never want to attack the enemy. The devil is the enemy of your soul. And if you don't get him and confront him and fight him, have an encounter with him, then he will constantly be active under the darkness that you put him under. So in Matthew, the 12th chapter, and verse 43, it says, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, does anybody know when that takes place? When? At the new birth. 
at the new birth is when the unclean spirit, the spirit of disobedience, the spirit that now worketh in those that resist God's rule in their life, that's the spirit of an antichrist. And that spirit dwells in every man before he is born again. When he is born again, he is recreated. He is made brand new. The old is taken away, and we receive a spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. It is a spirit of adoption. It is the spirit of Christ, the spirit of sonship. It lives in every believer. Now, after that, just as a man has to use his will to be born again, he has to use his will to stay connected to God. So when the unclean spirit is gone out of man, out of a man, he, he, a personality, a real spirit, not an figment of your imagination, a real spirit. He walks through dry places because demons get their most fulfillment out of having residence and expression through human beings just like God gets his fullness, fullness of joy through inhabiting man and expressing himself through man. And so, it says he seeks rest and he finds none. Then he saith, I will return into my house. Now we know that he's talking about a physical body. A physical body houses spirits whether good or whether evil. All right, and then it says, he says, I will return from my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty. And he findeth it swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there, and, he, and the last state of the man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be unto this wicked generation. So we understand that people have to protect their house, their physical body because spirits want to have their expression through it, just as much as the Holy Ghost does. That word empty means that when a man gets set free from this unclean spirit, he ceases from his labor. He becomes idle. The house then becomes unoccupied with the movement of the spirit that replaced the unclean one. It means that people without a purpose negate their need 
for the closeness of God. Now that's what empty means. Then it means swept. It means that when a spirit returns, he begins a process of dragging out that which is in that house. That he begins to call away from the place of safety and connection with God. Now, you and I know that it happens every day. We call it temptation. And then the garnishment means that there is a new order set up. Now, this new order is set up by the unclean spirit. In other words, he's trying to reorganize a lifestyle. He's trying to reorganize the perceptions and opinions and thoughts of a believer that has been born again. That's what he's trying to do. It means that he's trying to ungodly, that he's trying to provoke with an ungodly multitude of men that are alienated from God as well as a host of demonic powers that are hostile against God's purpose for a human being. Now, God's purpose for a human being is to be born again. Now, this personality calls or beckons a person to begin to activate relationships that are ungodly. And these ungodly, hostile individuals, the unsaved, and even the deceived believer begins to work against God's rule in that house. The order is set up so that a new government can move in. In other words, there is a revolt, a fight against the Christ that is dwelling in you. For the sole purpose to strengthen the weaker that the greater could be overcome. You remember the stories that Jesus said, how can a man take what's in the house or steal anything unless he first binds the strong man? All of this stuff that we're talking about are issues and activities that would bind the believer's born-again, sonship, adopted spirit. Now you say, well, I don't know if that can happen. Why did Jesus tell this story? This is a very real scenario that Jesus gives us. And so we have to understand that the devil is actively trying to retake that which he used to own. Could again, amen. Absolutely. Now the devil, now the Bible tells us, neither give place to the devil. Neither give him place. In other words, don't make room for him. Oh, but he's just got a little wedge. Don't make room for him. Well, I only cuss, but it's not really 
deep cussing. Just a little room. Don't give any place or room or any portion of that house to the devil. Don't give him an individual place to represent anything in your life. And it tells us don't give him a place or a condition that is conducive to his liking. Don't become so blind that we just accept what the devil is doing in everybody else's life. Could I get an amen? I know I could get one. And then let's look at Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and let's look at uh, verse 27 on down, Ephesians 4, 27. Remember, don't give him place. So that means that he is powerless unless he convinces you to make a place. Right? Amen. Ephesians the fourth chapter in verse 27. Well, let's look at verse 28. Let him that steal, stole, steal no more. What's he telling us now? Don't give him place. Now he tells us that there must be a change of activity in a believer's life or somebody's coming home to take it over. If a man stole before he was a Christian, then understand the devil is going to tempt him to steal again. Why? Because he wants to make a place. He is so subtle. It's just one seed that defiles the whole field. Jesus told that. The enemy sowed this seed. All right. Then it says in verse 29, and it says, well, let him stole, but let him rather uh, work so that he'll have to give. And what is that? Those are kingdom principles that we live by that the devil is rejected by. But if we don't replace the former way of life with the life that God has structured for us, that we may be governed by purity and holiness, then understand the devil's coming home to roost. That's why the Bible is so emphatic. Raise your children in the way and the nurture of the Lord. Why? Because it is the only place of security in a wicked world. And then it says in verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Your language should not shadow or express or reflect the world's system on you. You are not to talk like a devil. Do you know that words attract devils? 
their life and death. Come on, their life, please help me. Their life and death. And for us to talk like the world is to invite its prince back to a throne that he has been cast out of. You know, I hear people say, I don't know if I can spell this, S-W-E-R-W, what is it, S-C-E-R-W? What is that word? What is that thing you put in a, a board when you want it to be hold tight? A screw. So people say, well, just him. You think God doesn't know the intent of your word? You think the devil doesn't even know the intent of your word? He knows the intent of your word. And it says, out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. What's he telling us? He's told us change lifestyle. Change the way you talk. Change the way you perceive. Change your purpose. Encourage. Give grace. And then he says, if you don't, you will grieve the Holy Ghost. You will move him out of the government of your house. And another will seek to fill his place. Wow. Just jump down to verse 32 and be ye kind one to another, tender one to another, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Folks, God is warning us to garnish your house with things. If you're going to have a vampire over, serve him garlic pie. Somebody said to me the other day, well, don't you love those uh, um, vampire movies? I said, I used to. Absolutely, I did. I used to love them. I, know, I hear there's another movie out of Interview with a Vampire. I would love to watch that, but I'm not. Why? Because I'm just not a stupid person. I've learned over my life that there were things that I had to turn off that would not open the locks to my spirit. Somebody said, don't you love those zombie movies? No, don't watch them. How stupid is to believe that dead people are going to rise up before the resurrection and chase you and eat you? Talk about a waste of time. That is not good. All right. So realize that it's showing us things that need to change. Don't go back to the vomit that you've once left behind. Don't go back to your wallow. Paul said, if I build again those things that I have denounced and cast off, I will make myself a transgressor. There's nothing 
in your sinful past that is worthy of you giving eternity for? Wasn't you trying to get out of sin? Aren't you glad that you're out of it? Why do we dabble with it? Let's not do that. Amen? Now, let me say this. Every believer is sealed by the Holy Ghost. And it's kind of like the tomb. They sealed it from the outside because they never proceed that it could be opened from the inside. We are sealed by the Holy Ghost from protection from the adversary. But just as the tomb was broken from the inside, so can the seal of the Holy Ghost, the born-again experience, be broken from the inward conditions of your heart. Come on. You mess with the holiness of the Holy Ghost, you are going to cause him to take his hands off. Why? He'll not touch the unholy thing. And if you persist to be like the world, he'll let you be like the world. Why would we do that? So we are sealed by the Holy Ghost. You can't break it from the outside. No power can. But it can bro be broken from the inside. Remember Jesus would say, Satan hath entered into his heart. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? Why did you listen to the devil? Well, were they born again? Well, certainly they were born again. They were acknowledged by Peter. He knew them. They may have been close to him. Maybe that's why they vowed so much without weighing out the cost. I don't know. But I do know that the Holy Ghost entered into them. How about the ones that preached against the rapture already being passed? Paul said, I'm telling you right now, with tears in my eyes, I said they were friends, but they are now enemies of the cross. So realize that that seal can be broken. It can be broken by your attitudes. It can be broken by your choices. It can be broken by your morals. It can be broken by your attitudes, by your opinions, by taking stuff that you don't prove is in the Scripture. The truth will set you free and deception will make you so bound that you can't even move in life. Hallelujah. Demon possession is real today. In the 21st century, and yes, even Christians can become demon-possessed. Now, before you say, oh, my God, he's talking. I'm not talking anything that's not in the Bible, and I'm going to show you. But 
it does not and cannot happen except at the consent of a rational believer giving place to the devil's choices. See, God is a righteous God. He cannot, nor will he, move in, invade, overrun, and take by force any person without their free moral consent. He doesn't force the weak-minded. He... And the devil can't force the weak-minded. But if you consent to do evil when evil is presented, you have started a landslide that you may not be able to stop. Because sin is pleasurable for a season. And it never reveals its bitterness until the end. Now you, you just think what we're talking about. The devil cannot break the seal from the outside. It can only be broken from the inside at a man with rational thought allows or accepts the invitation to come out from behind the stone. You are sealed, but he is constantly beckoning you. Come on, one look won't hurt. One word, you know, now I know people saying, oh man, you're talking like, like living a real Christian life. Ah, yeah. Oh, nobody can be perfect. Well, if you will die to yourself and be crucified to Christ with all intention and motive being in its right place, you can live as Christ when Paul said, if you want to see Christ, look at me. I didn't say those words. Paul did. Say, yeah, but God knows a little, little... God knows a little leaven will leaven the whole lump. Search the house. Sweep under the furniture. Well, well, why do you think we have to be so holy and so perfect? I don't think you have to be anything. I'm just telling you what God said. Be ye holy as he is holy. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Do you think God is a bold-faced brother of the devil and a liar? Such thoughts should not even have to be entertained. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, it cannot be broken by the pressure of the devil, but only at the consent of an individual. So you aren't in fear of being possessed unless you 
are assenting to the devil's activities in this world. And if you consent to it, then you can become demon-possessed. Don't be drunk to the excess in wine, but be filled with the Spirit. But if you get drunk, you can stay in that stupor. Sober up. You say, well, man, man, this sounds like work. Listen, eternal life is worth the paycheck at the end. Hallelujah. Satan nor God can control an individual except at his or their consent, their agreement. Let's go to James 1.12. Hallelujah. I'm so glad you're here. James 1.12. Blessed is a man that endureth temptation. When he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. He shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Most failures in Christian's life come because of the cold-heartedness of love, of the lack of love. And then verse 13, And let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted neither with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when it's conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, guaranteed, will kill you. Praise God. 2 Timothy. Let's go to 2 Timothy, the second chapter. Remember, 1 Peter, we've grown to love so much that we talk about, you know what? We are to be sober because the devil is going about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Seeking whom he may devour. He's after somebody. Second Timothy. I'm sorry. Second Timothy, the second chapter. And let's look at, wow, verse 14. Wow, man, this is a lot. And it says, of the things, put these, them in remembrance of these things, charging them. Therefore, before the Lord, they strive not about words, no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Now, did you hear what he just said? Stay away from words that are not conducive to a Christ-like life because they are seeking to subvert you. So when you hear these words, you repeat these words, you say ugly words, you say divisive words, you are being subverted by the devil.
And it says that profit but to the subverting of the hearer. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, but rightfully dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings. For they will increase unto more righteousness. To more what? Whew. Yep. So when that spirit is beckoning you, hey, open the seal. Come on, it's not wrong to express your thoughts about how things are going and what you think of others. There's, oh, come on. You have an opinion. No, your opinions stink. That's why God gave you renew your mind. You don't have opinions. And if you do, it probably came from your past trash. A lot of, too many of us are dumpster divers. I'm a dumpster diver Christian. I want to know everything about what's going wrong and what everybody did. I, I just know there's something wrong with them. One of these days you're going to crawl up out of there and the trash is going to have adhered to you. And you're not going to be a trash dumpster diving Christian. You'll just be a trashed Christian. Yep. Hey, hallelujah. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Anything twisted in the least smallest way. That's iniquity. Iniquity means something crooked. So if it's not straight on, if it's like this, you need to get away from it. Now watch these words. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of the earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. In every house, in this house right here, in every assembly, there are people that want to honor God in life and people that are just bent to bring dishonor to the Christian life. That's just the way that it is. I didn't state that. Timothy did. And it says, but... Uh, in verse 21, if a man therefore purge, purge, purge himself. Think of that. Purge himself from these. He shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and met for the master's use, and prepared for every good work. Do you know that you can go from a place of dishonor with God by judgment upon all that you do and you can be moved from the outer tent not only into 
the inner tent, but into the inner courts and into the holy of holies. The same gold that was beat for one thing is molded and remolded for the inner courts. The man is one that has to do that. Look at your life. I can't look at it for you because if I look at it, I will find fault, just like you find it with me. So there's no sense in us looking at each other. I can preach to you the truth, but I'm not going to micromanage your life. It's your responsibility to be honorable or dishonorable. Whoo! Hallelujah. And then it goes on down this. Flee youthful lust. You know, one of my big problems in life was I was always easy to follow someone else. I was always quick to listen to somebody else's story. Fly off halfway, go off with half the truth, start talking, doing, spreading rumors, you know, getting mad at somebody, and then you find out that it wasn't even the way it was told you. That's youthful. Grow up. I still have to fight being led. I'll say, Phyllis, I don't like this. Oh, yes, you do. Just eat more of it. Oh, okay. So I tried to eat more of it. I said, Phyllis, I made this whole plate. I don't like it. Oh, get a second helping. No. She fed me turkey bacon one time. Now, you know that that is a twist in the natural course of life. Pig is pig. Turkey was never created to be pig. Well, she gives me a piece of turkey bacon. She said, oh, you'll love this, said the deceitful little cookery. So I took a bite. I took it, I crunched it up, and ran to the trash can and spit it out. She said, what's wrong? I said, this is horrible. It, talk, it, it tastes like a turkey and a pig fall. And nobody won. It was horrible. Now, I went about nine or ten months not eating bacon. I just now have entered back into the pig culture. But again, I was just led. I went to put on a shirt today. She said, that's old. She said, why don't you wear that one? I said, you bought it the same time you bought that one. <laughs> yeah, but it's not old. Now, wait a second. I'm getting confused and dizzy in my own closet. I said, Phil, Phil no, it, it's old. She said, yeah, but you haven't worn it enough for nobody to notice. 
So now it's based upon how many people have seen my shirt, whether it's worth wearing or not. So I ended up with this thing. Now, I did not like this shirt, did not want to wear it anymore, but Phyllis said, oh, you haven't worn that enough. So I let her convince me. As soon as I walk in to the office today, somebody says, oh, you're wearing that again. Now, I'm just throwing that in, but I'm just telling you, you got to be to the place that you grow up and start listening with ears of an adult. Because Paul said, when I was a child, I spake as a child. In other words, quit listening to children. You got two ears to hear, one mouth to talk. Listen twice as much as you talk. That doesn't happen in our house, but it'd be nice if it did. Now, let me finish this up. And it says this, But follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. You've got to get rid of impurities to have something pure. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do nothing but gender strife, in other words, create battlefields against faith and reason. And the servant of the Lord must not strive. I got a little footnote here. Not strive. In other words, he should not engage in a war of words or give dispute to the truth. And then it says, and but be gentle to all men, apt to teach and patient. In meekness, instructing all those that oppose themselves, if God preadventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. How does the devil get such access to take us at his discretion? Well, we'll continue this next week. We are going to raise up a standard that we will not become demon-possessed. Not become demon-possessed. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God forever. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet for a moment. Our great desire for you is to know God. And in order to know God, you must know what is not God. I want you to find freedom. The things that happen on our small groups Wednesday night. Discover your purpose. Discover your purpose. Make a difference. Make a difference. I remember I went to my pastor. I called him about 2 o'clock in the morning. I said, Brother Thomas, I'm telling you, I found out what's wrong with my marriage. I could hear him on the other end. Oh, thank God. And I said, I'm telling you, Phyllis has got a devil. He said, okay, oh, okay, Pete. He said, look, 
let, just meet me at the church. I said, okay, I'll, I'll bring him in. So I drugged Phyllis to church that Sunday morning. Did you go there then? Yeah, but did you go to the church? Okay, all right. Uh, so Brother Thomas got us in there, just honest, straightforward, loving, kind, caring. And he listened to the story and he said, Peter, I believe there is a devil in your marriage. I thought, hallelujah, finally, I'm going to get some peace. He said, but I'm telling you right now, it's in you. I said, what? I, I'm the guy helping you. I'm the guy cleaning the toys, vacuuming the pew. What in the world you missed it so far? Well, without any further ado, invitation or asking, he moves toward me as a shadow. If you don't know, he's black. He moves towards me, and he lays hands on me. Started in that Brother Thomas voice. Oh, God! You remember that, John? Oh, God! I thought, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Oh, God! In the name of Jesus, you devil, come out of Peter! I thought, I hope you don't go into Phyllis. Come out of him. Let him go. And I was delivered by a man of faith, fasting, and prayer. And a man that just didn't play around. He was so good and so kind to me. And I loved him and he loved me. You know what? Sometimes we can be deceived by the devil. Let's make sure our eyes are wide open. Let's purge ourselves. How hard is that purging? Let us cut off those things that are not needed. Lay aside that sin that so, does so easily beset us. Father, I pray right now that, God, you would open up our eyes and our minds. God, let us without fear open up the frontiers of godliness and purity. Let us, God, go through the transition from dishonor to honor. Oh, God, let us go from vessels of earth clay and wood to vessels that only fire can bring to its forefront gold and silver. Ignite a fire, God, of the desire of purity that will draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to us. That, God, we will humble ourselves in the sight of God and live by His decrees and government over our life. Oh God, that song that we sung, 
mercy and grace and by the power of the blood. Gosh, God, how I look back. And I know many people looking back and seeing the life that we live. But God, one day that unclean spirit was ripped out of his governmental place in our life. And we became new creatures. And every purpose, every desire, every want, every guiding desire comes from you, God. Father, bless every family that is here. Is there an Amanda here that, I don't know, something like you have like a pinched nerve? An Amanda. If that's you, please raise your hand. If that's you here today. If not, Amanda, if you're watching, I want you to give me a call. The last time I said that over Internet, that young man that I called out his name, his mother lived in North Carolina, and he was there, and she saw the message and told him, said, Pastor, called out your name and told you to give him a call. And he had, and he had been telling his mother, I've got to get back with God. How can I do it? So, Amanda, if you're watching, if you're, if you're not here today, there's like a pinched nerve that you're dealing with. I want you to call me, Amanda. I'm going to pray for you, and you're going to be healed. What do you got? My daughter Amanda's been being treated for that. She is. God is so smart. And he deals with families and he deals with units. Praise God. Now, where's that pinching her rat, John? Uh, Jim. This is my daughter, Amanda. It's in her neck, uh, between her neck and just above her back. Okay. Now, when I pray for you, James, you can go home and call Amanda. You tell her just what took place. Now, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I curse this pinch nerve. I curse all of its side effects. I command all of this pain. I command it right now to come out of her. God, loose her in the name of Jesus. Oh God, all of this inflammation. Oh God, I loose a miracle and a freedom of this pain in Amanda, the seed of the righteous, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. There you go, James. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Every head bowed just for a moment. You know, God knows everybody's name. He knows everybody's battle. He knows everybody's spiritual condition. If you are here today and you're not saved, all I can say is that Jesus died for you. He died for you that you might live. And the only way that you can accept that life that he died to give you is that you accept him as Lord of your life. Doesn't mean you have to be perfect. It means you just have to be willing. 
to give your hands into the life of God. Now, he's here today to save us. So if you're not saved, if you're a backslidden Christian, I want to encourage you right now that you step out of the seat that you're in and that you come down one of these aisles so that I can pray with you. That we can pray together and we can see the transformation of the blood of Jesus Christ washing away your sins. The old spirit coming out and the new spirit being replaced. You're here today. Ashley, can you sing me a song? Okay, good deal. Come, young lady. I think. How you doing, God? Hallelujah. Now, here, did you get saved uh, from the street witnessing team? She got saved as the street witnessing team went out. Some people say, oh, that doesn't work. Well, evidently it did work. Amen. We are so glad. Hallelujah. Pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is your only begotten Son. And I believe, God, that He died for my sins. He shed His blood, and on the third day, He was raised from the dead. I now confess you, Jesus, as Lord of my life. As you have died for me, I will now live for you. I thank you that I am forgiven. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I'm sealed by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Now, all these people right here are the family of faith. And I want to tell you something. They're going to pray for you. They're going to be praying for you. And each one of them is a connection with God. And if you have needs and you have prayer requests, then you connect with one of them. And I'm telling you, you will see God move in a great way. One can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. So just make the devil have a headache every time you need prayer. Okay? God bless you. Praise God. Peggy, thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God, I've done. Oh, his goodness and mercy and the power of love. Now I'm alive to tell the story how I've overcome by his goodness and mercy and the power of love. I'm so glad that my freedom was based on what I've done, but it's goodness and mercy and the power of love. Be blessed. You are in the hands of God. There's no hopelessness to those that are in Christ. You have a purpose. Begin to fill it. Share the gospel. 
Somebody's ears and heart needs it. Go forth, lay hands on the sick, cast out devils, cleanse the leper, and raise the dead in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. God bless you. We will see you Wednesday evening, and I'll be teaching on Thanksgiving. Hallelujah. God bless you.